head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody to episode 210 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Rick Sanchez of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. As we talk about a big week in the world of MMA, it was a big UFC card last night, a big Bellator card last night, PFL during the week, which I'm sure neither of us watched because it was on a Thursday night, and how can we stay up to like 7am on a Thursday night? I couldn't even do it last night because I fell asleep because I was awake since like 6am at a communion all day yesterday, but I watched it all this morning. And it was a pretty fun, pretty fun because night. You're old, I am. God, I'm so old. God, I'm so old. Obviously, we were away. Well, I was away last week, and I went out with the with the lads and stuff. I was like, we are just not the same. We're at home at like one o'clock, eating foot long battered sausages and curry chips. <laughs> so I was just not. Can't do it anymore. Just can't do it. It's terrible. I remember I was on my uncle's stag like about ten years ago, and uh, one of my other uncles was like, "Oh, lads, I'd love to go on to another place with you, but I just can't. I'm too yeah. old." <laughs> <laughs> That's the way. I like That's the way. Which I'd say we hit it hard enough anyway in the younger days, but we've uh, we've our time uh, our time has passed now. A little bit like some of the lads fighting last night in the UFC, but I'm sure. Uh, we'll, uh, that's good. Good. Well, let's start it there. So BJ Pin, like it was funny because this this is a talking point that you can get into a lot in MMA and what you should say and what you shouldn't say and who you should respect and who you shouldn't respect, and I think people maybe get too touchy about these things, like. What are we supposed to say about BJ Payne? Are we supposed to say every time something comes up about BJ Payne and look, okay, there's outside things as well, you know, with him, with, with personal things and, you know, in court and stuff like that. We leave that aside for a minute. That's a chat for another day. But let, t- talking about BJ Payne inside the cage uh, as a fighter, like, everyone respects BJ Payne. Like, BJ Payne, you've always said it, he's one of your favourite fighters. I love, love, always loved watching BJ Payne back in the day. He was a fantastic fighter. But we can't come on here and talk about BJ Payne and just talk about him being a fantastic fighter. You know, someone will probably send him in over on Patreon to do a career retrospective and we'll talk about BJ Pin and probably half it'll be about him being a fantastic fighter and the next half will be about this. And this is just, we have to talk about this. We have to talk about this being bad. We have to talk about him going on too too long. He has 13 losses in the UFC now. He has 12 wins. That's what BJ Pin's career has become. He's been let fought, fought, fight, fight and fight. He has seven losses in a row in the UFC he, you know, this shouldn't be allowed. He, you know, it's it's getting too much. Last night was, last night was maybe the saddest of all because you could see glimpses of the old BJ Pin, and then he just died a death inside there. He just absolutely died a death, and he, he, you know, he everything went out the window, and he looked like he was going to get knocked out if he could get one chance. It was just Clay Guida's kind of bad fight, like you more than anything that didn't see him get viciously knocked out or hurt badly, and. I, it was it's it's sad seeing guys like this, and we have to talk about it, don't we? Yeah, it's definitely uh, the longer like you fight on. People say, "Oh, it won't affect his legacy; he's out of his prime." But the longer you fight like this and lose like this, the people like who are new to the sport, or even people who've been watching you for a while, kind of forget about how good you were mm-hmm. because you're so bad now. <laughs> Not that he's like terrible at MMA, but the game's just moved on so so much, way beyond like the things that he was was good were uh, was good at, like was dominant at uh, in the past. He just can't implement anymore because everybody has seen it all before like the game's just moved on 
it's as simple as that really the game is developing so quickly it's a young sport and even we talk about it when guys get two year drug bans that how will they look when they come back will they have kept up with the game and um, it's very hard for these these really old guys that have been around the game for years and years been in uh, so many minutes inside the cage and like BJ Penn and even over in Pride and uh, just a lot of a lot of punishment and a lot of minutes and and it's just it's just time for them to hang it up yeah, I agree. It's, look, it's it's definitely time to hang up, and you know, I, I say that we kind of we need to say it because of what Michael Bisping came out and kind of said this week. MMA Junkie put up a, an article. Now, okay, they could have worded it better. They said it was it was kind of cringe. BJ Pin talking about fighting for a title, and it is. That's what it is. Like you know, we, people covering the sport are not here to you know to pussyfoot around these things. They should tell the truth. And if something is cringe, they should say it's cringe. It should you know if. Let's say Lionel Messi keeps playing, and he keeps playing until he's fifty years of age, and he just looks terrible. And you know that won't be as bad because you can still play soccer and, and enjoy it, and it, it doesn't make a difference. But in MMA, you can't. So ugh, whatever, some some boxer keeps going. Let's say John Jones, right? Let's say John Jones is is coming out here, and he now has more losses in the UFC than he has wins, and he's getting the shit beat out of him by a journeyman who's like the the top, you know, top sixty in the world. How sad would that be like? Like, because BJ Penn was maybe not the level of John Jones in terms of the best in the world, but close to it. Like, he was, you know, he was he was up there. And that, that's what we have today. That's what we have with BJ Penn, just getting beaten by journeymen. Like, and that's that's a sad thing. And I think we there's a responsibility to say that. And, uh, you know, I think I, I stand by everyone who does say it. And I think as fans, you shouldn't give out to media members who actually do say that. Look, have your prerogative. You don't like it, whatever. But... I think that's that's something that that needs to be part of MMA, and you know it's 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 too tough of a sport for <clears throat> for us not to say that because it's dangerous for these guys to be getting in there. But how whenever we could we could talk about that for for about a week. But let's get to the maybe the positive side, and maybe the <laughs> it's not as positive. But the main event, Jessica Andrade versus Rose Namajunas. I woke up this morning. I was you know I was expecting it to be a. I hadn't seen the result running. I was expecting it to be a, a close enough fight with maybe Rose Namajunas pulling it through. I watched the first round and I was thinking to myself, oh, Rose Namajunas is going to win this. She's going to either either finish her yeah. early or Andrade is going to hang in there. And then it just, it just all turned. It was, it was a pretty, it was a good fight, wasn't it? A pretty mad fight. Yeah, it was like it was completely dominant from Rose really uh, for up until, up until the finish. Uh, she looked much faster. The jab was going really well for her. when it hit the ground. It looked like she was dangerous uh, there on the Kimura, even on the takedown attempts. And the commentators were talking about it. And um, in fairness to Andrade's corner, they said, "Okay, you nearly got submitted there, but keep going. If that happens again, go for the slam." That was great advice in the end because she slammed her on her head very hard, mm-hmm. and <laughs> folded her like a lawn chair. Like to me, it just personified exactly what. MMA is because MMA is a sport where anything can happen. Anything can happen. <laughs> it it really someone can be like ultra dominant. You know, we talked last week about how we expected Rosanna Yunus to win. We I think we both said it. You know, a lot of people were picking Andrade too, but I think everyone who if you picked Andrade picked Rose after that first round, everyone was thinking, I kind of got my pick. Either I got it wrong. In that I picked Andrade, I got it wrong, and that I thought it'd be a close fight. You know, it was it was one of them. It was one does like this is going to be an absolute blow away, and it, that fight as well is a good fight to look at for uh, significant strikes and them being absolutely bullshit because apparently they said on the the commentary they both had twenty nine significant strikes after the first round. 
whoever got them numbers is a fucking it's a joke like it is an absolute farce because she just significant just means away. like distance strikes and yeah. <laughs> stupid like it's it's the most stupid thing but however um it, look if you watch that that round from rose it was it was beautiful i was thinking i was literally thinking to myself this is the best female fighter we've ever seen in mma this is the most technically brilliant female fighter we've ever seen her jab and she's dead <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was like it was like uh, you know Ned Ned Stark in episode uh, in season one of Game of Thrones. It was like spoiler alert. She her, she looked like she had more power than Andrade, which no one was expecting. She was landing her jab beautifully. Her straight right right down the pipe was fantastic. And it, sometimes she was landing without even setting it up with the jab. She was just so fast, so slick. She got a takedown. She got that armbar attempt after the first slam. And she there was, just, was one thing that I was kind of like mm-hmm. watching. She was moving back in a straight line yeah. a, a, a good bit. Like, and I was like, oh, if, if she gets tired, that could cost her. But uh, I didn't expect, definitely didn't expect that big slam. Mm-hmm. I think it, that was kind of more in the second round, though, because it just it seemed to be like it wasn't just the slam. Like, it's obviously, you know, easy to go back and look at it afterwards and after you see the finish. But she did look like she was slowing down a little bit in the second, which is odd. But I, I think if the slam hadn't happened, she would have probably come came through it and win, won. But, like, watching that slam, I was talking to Andy Stevenson there this morning, and uh, as the slam, I was saying to him, like, as that first slam happened, where she almost got the armbar, I was thinking to myself, there's a reason why people let go of those. You know, and... The reason is it's low percentage. Like I, I, I talked about McGregor throwing that knee against Tabib. Okay, he could have knocked him out with it, but it's probably not going to happen. You know, if he threw that knee a hundred times, he might knock him out twice, maybe or once. You know, it's low percentage, and I think that kind of the armbar and the Kimura attempt, not the armbar, maybe when it when it gets down to the ground, because that was the you know that's more uh, high percentage. But that Kimura attempt, okay, you can sweep with the Kimura if you get taken down or whatever. But the likelihood of you getting slammed on your head is a lot more likely, I think, than getting a Kimura from that position. Because you're like you're holding yourself in there. You're holding yourself with all the power you have to be right against your opponent. And like when you do that and your feet are off the ground, your arms are off the ground, your whole body is off the ground, you're just asking for all of your weight and all of your opponent's weight to drive you into the ground. That is, that's, and like, it's okay, it's okay, you can say that after the fight and after it happened, but I said that after it almost happened in the first round, I was like, Jesus, because Daniel Cormier, and I think Daniel Cormier was the absolute perfect man to have in the commentary booth here, and he goes, there's a reason why, God, when, you know, because he does that all the time, obviously, and he goes, there's a reason why guys let go when I try to drop him like that, if you watch, I, I, I think before I put up a picture of, uh, of him, uh, dro- like, dropping all those guys uh, on their head, like Gustafson and Dan Henderson and all them, and Almost all of them put their hands down to to block it, to stop it, to to just let go, to not let the full force of Daniel Cormier drive you into the ground, to stop it, to stop that blow, to stop your head hitting off the ground, to stop your back or whatever hitting off the ground, to, to, you know, to to cushion your blow a bit, and that's why they do it, we've seen it through, you know, you always talk about Ricardo Arona and, and Rampage Jackson, that's another one where you just, okay, he smashed his face into him there, but I think that's, you know, we talk about Rose being very technical, but that's a little bit of a, a technical aspect of the game which should be changed, shouldn't it? It's it, it, it's not... A lot, a lot of people are calling it a fluke. This wasn't a fluke, was it? This was a mistake by Rose and very, very good by Andrade. Yeah, I think, like, people are kind of calling it a fluke because Rose is so dominant up until that point and mm-hmm. they're probably thinking, like, oh, if they fought 10 times, Rose would probably win nine, but that's MMA. Like, you make one small mistake like that, and you get knocked out. Uh, you get knocked out viciously sometimes. And uh, I think the the fact that she nearly got the the armbar before gave her confidence in that position. And maybe if if she was uh, 
if she was just playing it safe and she could have just, as I said on the on the commentary, just kind of let go and it would have flipped her through and she wouldn't have landed on her head. But she she's so close with the, well, not not like, you know, she was close enough with the first one that it probably gave her confidence and she she thought, oh, Andrade is making the same mistake that she made in the first round here. Let me latch onto this arm and... It, like it could have worked out for her. it could have been a spectacular finish and it could have made Andrade look stupid for going for it again but these are little tiny margins in MMA mm-hmm. and that's what happened she got slammed on her head what rating would you give it out of 10? it was a really good fight um, but uh, it's a 7.4 that's, that's a professional score I was, I was looking back on my old scores and <laughs> I was looking at uh, Barboza versus Gaethje and I think it's a similar fight that I give that a 7.7 I'm going to give this a 7.7 as well it was a, obviously a short fight a fun fight lots of skill and that big kind of dramatic ending as well so I'm giving it a 7.7 but yeah it was, it was ref- like do you think they do the rematch now straight away or do you think like Yona and Jacek has a has a win over Je- uh, Jessica Andras they love putting her into title fights she's like the female Frank Edgar at this age although Holly Holm is, <laughs> Holly Holm is up there as well but do you think in Jacek do you think Rosanam Yunus what do you think next for Andrade yeah well like Rose will probably need to take a bit of time off I don't know what Andrade will want to do um, yeah I'd say in Jacek is probably one of the most recognisable female fighters so they could put her in there and then that would set up Rose again against Joanna which they can't which is harder to do and sell without Joanna being the champion so um, I think it's a good fight for Joanna as well I think she'll probably win it but Andrade is very powerful and dangerous as she's proven mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think Rose will probably take a little bit of time off after that she probably should anyway yeah I agree I, I, the one thing as well I must mention about Andrade like watching the fight the start of the second round Andrade came out and she went for it like she tried to close that distance it was very hard for her to fight outside the distance at Rose because she, she so long as I mentioned her jab is so good and her, her straight right is so good and I think that maybe, maybe played into it a little bit and, you know I was talking about Rose getting tired and getting maybe a little bit fi- fatigued uh, and I think a lot of that was to do with that pressure and she was landing shots on the inside there was, there was I think it's a little bit unfair and I've said, and you know, we kind of both said that Rose was totally dominant up until the time it finished. She was in the first round, but in the second round, I think there was definitely signs that Andrade was coming into it. And you know, Andrade is a fighter who has improved an awful lot, and that's that one little aspect of it. Even if you look at that minute or two where she kind of came into it. That's something a lot of fighters wouldn't do. You have to be kind of an elite fighter to do that, I think, because it's it seems like it's something simple, but it's something almost only the elite fighters do. They they come back when they're you're stuck on the outside and someone's battering you from the outside. It's almost impossible to get inside. You know, it's it's impossible to put your head down, take the fucking shots, and get inside. And you know, it's it takes heart, it takes fucking guts and everything. And it's very and skill, and it's very very hard to do. And she managed to do it. So. Against Yin Jacek, the second time, if she can bring, or is it a third time? Have they fought twice? Or have she beaten her once anyway? But I think it's once. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's a tough fight. Hard to know where Yin Jacek is because I think there might be a touch of the Jose Aldo's a little bit of well, the, the previous the last night anyway about about Yin Jacek where because she got beaten by someone who's superior that maybe we think she's not good anymore when she's actually still good. And, you know, is Ian Jacek or is uh, Andrade the Frank Edgar of women's strawweight where, 
you know, Jose Aldo beat him before, and then he gets beaten by... <laughs> Touching Jose Aldo, he's yeah, Frankie you know, Edgar. Yeah. <laughs> it could be that, couldn't it? Like, yeah, Andrade could be the Frankie Edgar where, you know, you're expecting maybe Aldo slashing Jacek to be finished now, and then they come in and show what a good fighter they actually are by beating Aldo, um, Edgar slash Andrade. So I, I, I think it's interesting to... You know, to see if that fight actually does happen, I'm sure Joanna will be will be mad to kind of take the fight. And yeah, let's see how it goes. What did you think actually of C Rose afterwards? She said, you, you know, and I think you've talked about this with, with people before. That they're kind of happy to lose the belt. She said it's a relief that the she pressure, lost this fight. Yeah. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? That, that was yeah. You hear it again and again, mm-hmm. even from the the greats like Anderson Silva and GSP. Yeah. It's it's a mental toll on them. It seems the, the pressure of just being expected to. To dominate and if you don't dominate even like uh gsp would dominate and people be like oh it's boring and yeah. uh, anderson silver would dominate but he wouldn't knock people out and people would be like oh it's terrible why didn't he knock him out and like you know the waste some i want my money back <laughs> you know there's such a such a high bar put on you that and such a pressure put on you that it, it seems like for a lot of them, it's a relief to lose the belt, which is which was you think is strange. Yeah, it's with Rose though. It, it, I don't think it's as strange as other people kind of saying it because she's that sort of person. I think she thinks kind of mentally a lot about things, and I think she just rather would rather prepare for fights rather than prepare for kind of title fights. If she could just have you know five round title level fights <laughs> against people without that title in it, without being in the yeah. main event in the spotlight, I think she'd. Be it's happier. also more media and all yeah. that, all that stuff. Just like takes up more of your time and uh, like you, you hear like McGregor not wanting to do media and you know I think there's a difference though, between like someone who doesn't want to do it like McGregor who's kind of sick of it and someone who's like you know she has like you know uh, you know she, uh, I don't know the right word to, to phrase and stuff but anxiety and stuff like that and you know she's struggled with that I think Jeremy Botter wrote about it for, for years and I think it's it's something that like it really affects her worse than than other people you know a lot of people don't mo- everyone i'd say doesn't like it but i think it affects her worse than other people and that spotlight of, is just something that she tries to avoid you know she even talks about some player when she, when she goes in they talk about like this kind of siege mentality they get in on like the tuesday and they get out you know before sunday morning kind of it's it's one of those things she it, it, you just get in there to do the job and kind of get out and you know it's it's worked for her so far and i think it'll work for her again i'd be surprised if rose Yunus didn't win the title again sometime you know but um, you know, a, a good fight, uh, fair play to Andrade, and you know, great great performance by uh, by Rosam Yunus as well. Um, Anderson Silva, what? How? Did yeah. you, I, I, I'm interested because I didn't see any of the tweets or anything. How did you think Anderson Silva looked before the finish? Um, he didn't look great, but he, he had a couple of flashes where he, he threw that kind of switch kick, uh, head kick, and he still looked dangerous. He threw a nice body kick and stuff, but he was getting hit. Um. The leg kicks were adding up. I know, I know. Anderson in the past is known for his leg kicks, uh, but he's he's kind of it's kind of gone away from that, and he's kind of p- trying to pick one shot all the time. And you, you've always got to be ready for that. And he's definitely dangerous. But I, th- I thought he looked a bit. He looked even older than he looked before. Yeah, I, I didn't know to be honest, and uh, you know, I think you picked Anderson last year. I picked Cannonier, and I, as always, I was I was hundred percent right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I thought Anderson looked a bit better than he usually is. You know, when, when Anderson always fights, the, the first couple of minutes are him standing back waiting to see what his opponent throws, and his opponent kind of doing the same because it's dangerous against Anderson uh, to to not do anything but that. But I thought he looked he looked quick. I thought when he when he threw that switch kick, it was good, and maybe it was because of the switch kick because that kind of looks like a quick shot anyway, if if, if you know what I mean, <clears throat> when it's when it's thrown. 
But I thought I thought he looked okay. Now Cannonier as well is a very very good fighter. He's very very quick. Is, is, maybe it's maybe it's that maybe you rank or rate Cannonier higher than I do. Maybe that makes it like because I, I I thought Anderson was going to win handily enough here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. I'll... I, I don't know. I, I think it was just kind of the way Anderson moved. Like, when I watch Anderson now, I'm expecting kind of the Anderson that fought uh, Derek Brunson, I think it was, a couple of fights ago, where he kind of just, he sits in his shots and he's, he, you know, he's a boxer and he's not this dynamic striker that we used to see before moving around, you know, moving his head and getting out the way of shots. And, he okay, defensively, maybe he wasn't that and he was getting pushed up against the fence. But attacking-wise, I, th- I thought he looked, better than he has recently now okay it's not anderson silva of of your like it's an, it's not prime anderson silva here but i, I thought he was doing well and cannoneer then you know he when he got those opportunities to turn the fight around when he got into that when anderson got him into that clinch and he was smashing him with with shots in the clinch and kicking anderson silva over and over again he was making them count way more than Anderson Silva. You know, as they mentioned, he, he's a former heavyweight. He brings power. And I, I thought that power was the thing Anderson Silva would struggle with. And obviously that big kick to the knee was, was the one to finish him off. And it's it's usually an outside leg kick we see with those. But the inside leg kick did it for Anderson Silva here. You know, when they throw the inside leg kick, obviously there isn't that much for it to, to kind of... Uh, or when they throw the outside leg kick, sorry, it it kicks it in towards your body, body so it, there's a brace there. Your body braces your leg, but when they throw the outside leg kick, and uh, you know that that can, it's like when in soccer when the studs get caught in the grass and your leg kind of twists and the knee goes. That's usually when the the, the kind of pain happens, and that kind of happens when you're pushed inside. When when you're pushed outside, it, you usually kind of just rot- rotate your body and it go you go around rather than the whole knee getting getting torn or whatever. But this was such a hard leg kick. I think it just the second he kicked the leg, it just tore or broke or something. It looked, yeah. it looked bad, didn't it? Well, away. I think Anderson said there was some problem with his knee in training camp, and then he, he took a damage like it was. Uh, he took damage to it before, and then that was just the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, maybe more than the actual leg kick itself being really powerful or vicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, it, uh, this is the type. It wasn't of- like a, it wasn't like a bad leg kick or anything, but it wasn't like you know. I don't think I think it was more an accumulation of damage to the knee. Yeah, I think this is the type of fight on maybe not the type of the, the exact fight, but the, the type of stage where Anderson Silva should go out now, isn't it? He's he's had his time. He's had his comeback after a broken leg, and he's won a his couple of fights. And you know, he he doesn't look like BJ Penn or anything like that, but he doesn't look like Anderson Silva either. And you could give him a nice win in Brazil to send him off. Yeah, do you think they were trying to do that with this? Uh, like personally, I rate Jared Cannonier. Maybe maybe everyone doesn't, but. Yeah, well, like, like I don't rate him as highly as, as you you do going into the fight anyway. But I think, like, even going into the fight, I wasn't like, oh, this is a layup for Anderson. Like, but, yeah. like they could give him a layup. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let yeah let's see that happen and let him go. But like, even somebody who's ranked, like, you give him a Brad Tavares in Brazil, mm-hmm. and like he's probably going to win that. Like, maybe he wouldn't though. That's, that's the yeah. thing. But you... the problem with that as well is, even if he does, he probably won't retire. Anderson will get one win. Yeah, that's and the back. Yeah, he's talking. I think Mark Romandi had an article out this week that Anderson I'm Silva wants three more and stuff. So yeah, is normal. Unfortunately, uh, Jose Aldo against Alexander Volkanovski. Yeah, was this the first time Strange. we we saw Jose Aldo looking old? Yeah, was it that or? It was a strange know, was fight. It... it was a very odd fight. Yeah. Wasn't it? I, I was just waiting for Aldo to do something, and yeah. he never really did anything. It was, uh, it was just uh, he wasn't. I think one of the commentators kind of touched on it. He just wasn't willing to put in the work that 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 his opponent Volkanovski was. So he just got it worked. Yeah. Do you hear? Well, I think it was Cruz said that Aldo 
didn't it wasn't that he didn't respect Volkanovski but it was that he thought it would be a blow away fight more than lots of people said which is yeah. when you hear well, something Alan like that well said something in pre-fight about oh this is going to be easier than people are yeah, people think or he's it. not as good as Chad Mendes or yeah, that's worrying, isn't it? When you hear people talking about that, because if you're not putting in the effort, to, you know, to beat someone who you think could beat you, it's it's a tough road. But like, I look at my notes here, and it goes to the second round, and I say Aldo finally throws, <laughs> and that's that's not a good thing when you're someone like Jose Aldo. Like the first three minutes of this fight were basically just the two lads looking at each other, which isn't that uh, you know exceptionally or, or unique. That that happens uncommon, a lot. Uncommon, yeah. Uncommon, yeah. Aldo. You know, he threw his jab and he threw his body kicks. Volkanovski landed two big hooks and they, they exchanged late shots. I thought it was a close round. Uh, you'd have to favor Volkanovski because of those two big hooks. I think Volkanovski was quicker in the second. And as I said, Aldo finally threw uh, th- those few shots. And he got his timing and it was close again, I thought. But Volkanovski's leg kicks and that big left hook he threw uh, were very good. Aldo was landing the jab, but Volkanovski got... You know, he got to clinch a couple of times and he was landing knees inside. I think he landed like 10 knees at one stage, which definitely took him the round. And in the third round, it was it was all Volkanovski. It just look, Aldo looked old. He looked slow. Volkanovski was pressuring him. He was winning the jabbing battle, which is something which is untold against Jose Aldo. Landing big hooks and it was, it was a clear round. T- to me, like... <laughs> With Jose Aldo, when you look at him and you you see him losing to Conor McGregor, you see him losing to Max Holloway, you can kind of write them off because, you know, two of the best fighters we've ever seen in MMA and and definitely at that weight class, you know, the only other two champions apart from him. But Volkanovski, he's a very good fighter, don't get me wrong, but when Jose Aldo starts losing to someone like Volkanovski, I think... I think that's the the end of kind of Jose Aldo as number one contender. Now Jose Aldo could still be an elite fighter. He could still beat your, you know, your Chad Mendes, Ricardo Lamas, his Frank Edgar. You know, maybe maybe he can't, maybe he won't, and maybe he will. But I think I think this is the where Jose Aldo goes off of number one contender, number two contender. Do you do you agree? Yeah, with that? it could be, or it could be that he underestimated this guy like Volkanovski, and he's coming in here thinking, ah, like uh, this is going to be a stroll in the park, but. It's probably a little bit of both. He probably underestimated him a little bit, and he's probably you know he's been in there a lot of a lot of minutes in the cage, as I mentioned with BJ Penn earlier. Mm-hmm. Takes a, takes a toll. Like he's, he, his age isn't that old. Like you know, early thirties sometimes can can be like the prime. But Aldo's just he's been in there. He's taken damage. He's he's uh, his his fighting style of striking is is Muay Thai, which is kind of the game's kind of moved on from that. Mm-hmm. Um, people have kind of figured out how to beat it. And he was so exceptional, exceptional at the basics that he was able to to keep winning, even 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 when Muay Thai was kind of fading as as the dominant striking uh, the dominant striking base in MMA. But maybe it's the case now that that people have just figured him out or figured out his style, and at the top level, he's just not going to be able to compete anymore. But it could be it could be a bad day at the office and a bit of underestimation, or like with a lot of fighters you think oh maybe he had an injury in camp but with Aldo he's kind of proved in the past that he just, he'll pull out if he has yeah, any kind of injury that is true. so it's unlikely it's it's an odd fight because you look at it from Aldo's point of view as we have and it's hard to know what it is I, personally I think it's it's him looking a bit old but you look at it from Volkanovski's point of view and it's even tougher like usually someone beats Jose Aldo over three rounds wins all three rounds and you're thinking Jesus this guy is one, one of the best fighters in the world and I think that about Volkanovski but after this fight it's not like oh he's going to beat Max Holloway or it's going to be an excellent fight with Max Holloway get him in a title shot now he's yeah. just beating Jose Aldo it's it's not that is it I, I definitely want to see him in a title shot I think he should get the title shot but that's more based on what came before this because this fight it was just it was unexceptional really it was it, it was just 
there was an, and that might seem harsh and you know maybe what's your rating for it oh jesus uh, i don't know what, what do you think i like it i'm not putting it up because i don't i'm only having the big fights getting ratings but this was like a 3.9 or something like that what do you think I was gonna say a four point two. Yeah, that that's not bad. Like it's it's an okay fight. It's a possible, fight. just yeah, pass. it's a possible fight, but it's not one you want to watch twice. Like it's it's one of those fights. If, if you know if you got yeah, definitely you definitely I won't be watching that back, and it won't be on any UFC flashback or yeah, whatever it's called no, these days. No, but look, I, I think Volkanovski is the man for Holloway next. How I, I suppose we we'll talk about that fight when it when it's made and stuff, but. You know, I'm. I'll get excited about that fight when I go back and watch all the Volkanovski fights. But, but kind of not after this one, I suppose. But uh, however, uh, let's move on to some of the other fights. Um, uh, Lorena Strapuli versus uh, beat Tiago Alves, and it was it was a good fight. Strapuli looks like a very very good fighter. But the, the thing about this was Dominic Cruz's commentary, and I thought Dominic mm. Cruz, apart from this, was good. But Dominic Cruz just decided how this fight was going. <laughs> and it, it didn't go that way at all. He was like, "Oh, Strapoli's doing well. He's doing well. He's doing well." But Thiago Alves is gonna turn this around. The young lad's gonna get tired, and the old dog is gonna come through. And like that didn't happen. He dominated all three rounds. He was his takedown defense was looking good. Still going strong at the end of the third round. And in fairness, Dominic Cruz, he did kind of change it with like two minutes to go in the, in the third round. But it was it just annoyed me that you you know call the fight because. Uh, I kind of do that as well sometimes and I have to t- kind of talk myself out of it because I'm expecting a fight to go one way and then it doesn't go that way and like it, I think it's grand if that happens like in the first like two or three minutes you're expecting someone to wrestle every, you know wrestle the other guy and the other guy has great take down the fence and he's beating him on the feet that's easy to see but when you're expecting someone to win early and in it for it to turn and you're expecting that turn to come and you keep talking about that turn coming and that turn never comes <laughs> that's when it kind of gets oh I'm just talking about something that I thought would come, but never did come. Did you Did you find that from Dominic Cruz as well? Yeah, I think he was kind of hoping. He was like, "Oh, it's gonna happen now." He yeah. was kinda, <laughs> It was a bit of a, it was a bit of um, clutching of straws. That's when Alves did anything. He's going, "Oh, here it comes." Yeah. But it, it wasn't coming. It was a bit of that, all right? Uh, Irina Aldana then got a, a, a lovely armbar over Beshkohe. Bech went for the takedown, and Irina took her back and and got the submission. It was very very Early good. Down, yeah. yeah, very 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 good. Uh, Little Nog lost to Ryan Spam with a beautiful uppercut with his with his left hand in in the first round. And he's another guy who's who's kind of looking old. Tiago Moises looked good as well. I thought against Kurt Halaba. Warley Alves got a fantastic win over Sergio Moraes with a, a big KO uh, in the in the third round there. As we mentioned earlier, Clay Guida and BJP, and then there was the the three undercard uh, fights which I didn't watch, so I'm not going to talk about them. Uh, all right, let's move on to Bellator MMA, and there was some. There's some fun fights. There was some big news, and there was some some madness on this uh, this Bellator card. Did you see? Uh, did you see the the Jack Swagger fight in the end of it, where he was getting him in the arm triangle? And I, like to me, I understood exactly what happened here very quickly because he he got him in the arm triangle. He held on to it. The re- your man started tapping, and then the referee came in, and the referee like like laid his hands right down on Jack Swagger's back, and. To, to, for him to stop where he should be just prying him away straight away and Jack Swagger didn't realise it was the referee and he thought it was uh, TJ Jones his opponent and he kept squeezing because that's what you're supposed to do you know you don't respect the tap you respect the referee and then when the referee did pry him off he did pull him off it looked very bad it looked really really bad and I think Jack Swagger going full you know WWE heel afterwards didn't, didn't help either but what, what did you think of it? Um, yeah I think I think you're probably right it probably, he probably thought it was just bad refereeing basically he didn't do what yeah. he's supposed to do uh, but um, yeah, I think it's good for Jack Swagger to 
to get a bit of like heat as you as you've got it <laughs> and like you know make people care about him more so uh I don't, like i don't see that many people talking about him even though he's a, a pro wrestling guy so maybe this will will start people talking about him and it wasn't his fault it wasn't like a pal harris situation where like he's clearly yeah. knows the fight's over and he won't let go it's i don't think it was that but mm-hmm. people could see it like that and if, if they don't like him or don't like these pro wrestlers coming over it gives them a reason to to not like him and we always talk about it like as, as long as people care either way that's all that matters anyway. I, actually I must mention as well now that we mentioned kind of promos and stuff Jared Cannonier after he got booed out of the building when he, when he beat Anderson Silva he just stood there and listened to him and all I could think of was, was Roman Reigns back in the day when he was just getting booed out of him it was really good he should have he should have said nothing he's, you know he said I, I don't I, well he caught one bit of a good promo where he said I do, these Brazilian crowd don't respect me and I don't respect well, them either which was, yeah. which was great I was I, hoping I, I was during it I was hoping that he'd wait for them just to like get tired of booing them and then just be like is that all you got like? yeah that would <laughs> He was, he was good though he did, I thought he did very very well he he kind of ruined it a little bit but he brought it back with that comment but yeah I, I thought it was good and him just standing there listening to him was, was fantastic and in the end John, John Anik have you anything else to say and he was like no <laughs> I loved it I loved it it was great it was fantastic proper, proper pro wrestling uh, your boy AJ McKee then went in against Pat Curran and just really it, it wasn't the best fight in the world but AJ McKee just looked so much more dynamic, faster, better fighter. Even when Pat Curran got the takedown in the second round, AJ McKee went full Neil Seary and was just smashing him with elbows from the bottom, beating him up. I, I love when that happens. I, I don't yeah, care who it is. much more active. We yeah. talked about how like, passive Pat Curran can be sometimes. and He just he, he just looked like the older guy. He looked like the less energetic guy, the less busy guy, and the, the less... Technically, he just got beaten everywhere. Basically, I know he he got his own takedown and stuff, but he just he just got beaten by a younger, better generation of fighter. And this guy's obviously one of Bellator's most exciting prospects, and it's good. It's it's a good win for him. Like they're they're taking the kind of a good road, and they're not pushing him in there too quickly. Um, I'd like to see him in the UFC as a. As we always talk about with these guys, these prospects, they need an, an exit route. Yeah, we need... Like, <laughs> selfishly, like, I want to see them fight these these other guys in the UFC in their division. Yeah, we'll get, just get Fabian and AJ out of out of Bellator and we'll, we'll all be happy. But yeah, he looks absolutely... Just looks world, world-class. You know, he's... What is he now? 14 and all. Oh, he, he, he beat Justin Arns a few fights ago. Pat Curran is obviously a grizzled veteran and, he, and he's on a three-fight win streak as well, Pat Curran. So it's it's not beating Pat Curran yeah. at, at the end of his at the end of his career. It's like AJ McKee looks so good. His jab is great. He's, his combinations are really good. His cardio looks good. It's not often you see guys, and I, I there's a reason why, fight in such a dynamic manner, moving around non-stop and can keep it going for three rounds. And I think it's, it's going to be something that which we see a lot more because it's the way he fought when he was young. You know, AJ McKee, his father obviously fought in MMA as well, and he's taught him to fight like this. He, you know, he, he since a young age he's been fighting like this, and it's something that's very hard to learn. You know, we we saw um, Khalil Roundtree doing it a few weeks ago, and we were kind of all amazed how he was able to keep it up when it's something new to him. Whereas AJ McKee has been doing it for years and years and years, and it's just. It's normal, you know, it's his type of cardio, it's he's learned that cardio, to fight like that's just, you know, you're not going to get tired because that's what you are, that's what you do, down down deep inside you, that's what you are, so I think that's, 
it's very exciting for me. It's in his DNA, man. It is in his DNA. It is. Dynamism is in his DNA. But yeah, it's it's really really good. I you know I can't wait to see him. Whether it's uh, whether it's Pitbull now coming back down, uh, like when we we'll get to him in a second. Uh, I I'd really look forward. I I pick AJ McKee in that fight. I think AJ McKee beats almost everyone in in Bellator now. I think he's absolutely fantastic. But yeah, looking forward to seeing him next. Then um, the, the the top two fights they were they were quick, they were they were mad, they were exciting, uh, and they were a little bit shocking. Douglas Lima versus Michael Venom Page. Who did you pick? I think you picked MVP. Did you? I picked I picked Douglas Lima, but uh, it was I I I, I um yeah I I thought like that. It was most likely that Lima would win, but oh, I, yeah, I said I wouldn't have been surprised if mm-hmm. if Venom Page was able to eke out a boring decision or land something big early, which he did, land something big early. But then he he got he was getting like it was it was actually like the first time I saw it, I was like, what actually landed there? Like yeah. it was strange. But then you see it back, and he it's it's actually beautiful uh, from Douglas Lima, and he he was like he probably didn't have all his senses when he did that as well. It was just kind of instinct. Yeah, this is what happens when you raise in level. This is what good fighters do, and it's a good uh, you know a normal fighter, any fighter you see in the UFC and Bellator will will counter the leg kick, uh, or will counter that big shot over the top with a leg kick, or you know it, it's weird because it's hard to see who's actually countering there because it looks I looked on initial showing that MVP was actually countering his leg kick. But I think because, you know, as you said there, um, uh, Lima had been hurt just before it. I think he actually threw the leg kick to counter what he thought was coming from MVP, which did come, which was the, the right hand over the top. And obviously when he did that, he knocked MVP down. And it's the next shot <clears throat> is a shot which most people wouldn't throw. It's a shot which you might think about or you might attempt to throw or... You know, sorry, it's a shot which most people wouldn't land. It's like Jessica Andrade coming out in the second round last night. That's the difference between top elite level fighters and the rest. It's they will come out and they will break that distance and go balls out to get you there. That's what Lima did, and he he picked that shot and he hit it perfectly and he knocked him out with it. It's it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant because you know that, I'm sure MVP has gotten uh, hard leg kicks before, or has gotten maybe not knocked down, but got you know, pushed off and landed on the ground and, you know, he's been let stand, stand back up or he's been pushed against the fence and he's been let out of positions against lesser fighters. But when you're fighting someone as good as Douglas Lima, that's not going to happen. You know, Douglas Lima is going to take advantage of that. And that's the difference, I think. Just, just that, like that little small thing is the difference. Um, and, and it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. You know, in the first round, there was almost nothing landed and it looked like a fight was going to end like this. You know, there was going to be that one big shot and when MVP landed that big shot, it, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be him. Uh, but in the first round, there was... There was the takedown and the double wrist control from uh, from Lima on the ground, which are from uh, MVP on the ground. Sorry, which didn't let much happen. And then you know the second round when when Michael Van Page started kind of taunting him and then landed the big shot. I'm not sure that's the smartest thing in the world to be doing. I know that's his game, but against someone as good as Douglas Lima, it's tough and it it, it didn't end well for him. But what it was brilliant from Douglas Lima, really, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I suppose like for for MVP, like if he if he does like kind of clown him and then knock him out it looks oh my god he's a real deal it's highlight reels and all that so it's it's a it's a fine margins you know he he did have him hurt like and maybe on another day he would have put him away but uh yeah at at the highest level you got you you can't you can't um mess around you can but it's 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 a risk when you start clowning around or or uh trying to style on a guy um maybe if he was Maybe if MVP was was more experienced against these guys, he would have learned that before without getting KO'd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 
yeah, I agree. It's, it's difficult to know what they're going to do with MVP now, how they're going to bring him back. Obviously, Douglas Lima moves on in this welterweight uh, tournament, and you know we'll, we'll kind of see what happens with him, I suppose, over the next, uh, next couple of months. Uh, the main event then, Patricky, uh, Patricio sorry, uh, Pitbull for here against Michael Chandler. I haven't seen anyone react to this uh, yet. I haven't looked at any tweets or anything. It was it was an early stoppage. Does everyone agree that it was an early stoppage? Do you agree? Uh, I agree. I haven't seen any of the Twitter either. I agree. Uh, it seems like Michael Chandler is very unlucky with these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely was hurt, but we've seen him come back from way worse in several times in even individual fights. So yeah, I think uh, I think the ref was was too quick there, but uh, it was it was really nice from from uh, Pitbull to to drop him. But I I think there was a lot of fight left in in Michael Chandler. Yeah, hundred percent. Like <clears throat> the problem here is if he had dropped him and he had landed the three shots which kind of ended it i think you could say you could see where the referee is coming from but the big problem here is he dropped him chandler moved his head to avoid a shot then turned around to get on his stomach and then took the three shots that's the problem here because he didn't tr- take three unanswered shots he dodged a shot and then took three shots and then was moving as the referee stopped him that's the problem now you know we look at the he moved after when the referee tried to stop it that's the thing you can kind of, you know, you can hum and haw about, and I don't think that should be kind of taken into it. I want to look at what actually happened just before the referee stopped it, and that's the issue. What happened before the referee stopped it, because what happens afterwards is no good. If someone hops up and they're grand afterwards, if someone hops up and they're wobbling around afterwards, that's nothing got to do with what happened before it and what the referee saw to judge the fight to stop it. So what happened beforehand was clearly Michael Chandler. Like, I don't think there's any debate about this, you know. <laughs> it's He clearly moved his head to... to uh, to avoid the shot he saw the shot coming he moved he said he wasn't knocked out he was definitely knocked down he was definitely hurt but he he wasn't out it was i don't think it was even like a lot of people say and you know in title fights you should give him an extra bit i think in any fight you should give him that bit he, he took three shots when his hands were like alongside he said okay he definitely took the shots but give him give him a few more he's just avoided a big shot people take shots like that all the time give him a give him five seconds to move like and if he doesn't move okay fair enough stop it then but I thought this was an absolutely horrendous stoppage and the, the fight should have been let go. But, however, look, there'll probably be a rematch. Um, Michael Chandler's yeah, beaten before. They aren't too sad. They get to make the rematch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, So we'll uh, we'll, we'll definitely see it again. Um, after that, then, let's get to a bit of uh, of PFL, maybe. There was... there was uh, I didn't watch the guard. I don't think you watched it either. But there was... <sighs> what, like, what do you think about... PFL running on a Thursday like it's okay it's grand for maybe people in America to sit down on a Thursday evening and watch it but for people well, like us it's probably trying to recreate recreate the WEC kind of feeling but it's just they don't have the elite guys in any division so it's people just don't really care yeah look at Dave Kayla Harrison I suppose which is kind of their their main draw and she came out and she won here a unanimous decision again um and uh, Sarah Kaufman, who they're kind of building to fight her one again, Ray Cooper, the third one again, who seems to like always win. <laughs> he's, he's a really good fighter. And, uh, you know, from, from listening to it, it's supposed to be a good card. But it's, it, and I think it's it's supposed to be on the app as well. I was talking to, to Greg Savage there, their PR guy, and it wasn't on it the last night, but I think it'll be on it from, from now on. And it's on the, the Facebook page as well, so we can watch it here. Uh, but it's just, it's so tough. Like, when you're watching, you know, Bellator maybe on a Friday and in UFC on a Saturday or, or both of them on a Saturday and PFL in on a Thursday as well. You know, people <laughs> over here, this, you know, fans listening to this or, or us trying to cover it. 
it's almost impossible. A lot of people are working on a Friday morning. Like you can't you can't be set up to, to watch BFL and it's unfortunate. And I suppose the good thing about it is when it kind of is on Facebook and the video stays up there, you can go back and watch it afterwards. So if Kayla Harrison does get a big finish or you know Ray Cooper gets a submission like he did here with the rear naked choke in the second round, you can go back and watch it. Uh, and you know that that's good, which something which Bellator obviously didn't have for a long time. So you know. Uh, that that's a good thing, but yeah, back in the WEC days as well, they did have the elite guys like I mentioned in the divisions, but they mm-hmm. also there wasn't as many UFC shows, there wasn't as many Bellator yeah. shows or Strike Force or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. There's just so many shows now that it's it's hard unless you have a huge fight. Even when like Marlon Morris was there, people kind of at the start were kind of oh yeah this guy's brilliant but then they kind of lost interest because they don't have an exciting opponent to put them up against. Yeah. It's hard as well to know how good they actually are when they're fighting people we've never heard of like so that's that's a big issue um right before we move on to, to next week's UFC card and, and some of the uh, questions two quick things here Nate Diaz versus Anthony Pettis verbally agreed for UFC 241 according to mm. Ari Luani what do you think of that I, I don't think it's, it'll a, it's a great source and it's probably been verbally agreed to if Ariel says it but mm-hmm. till it's actually signed properly and Nate Diaz is, is talking talking about it as a done deal I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, kept my chickens yet? I, yeah, I, can't, I just I can't get excited about an ATS fight until until actually. And Ariel's definitely right. It probably will get signed and all because Ariel's never wrong. But even if it does, is it going to happen? Like, is Nate going to in two weeks' time say, "No, I don't like this deal. Fuck this man." Or Conor McGregor gets a fight, you know, three weeks later or something. He's like, "Oh, why is you know like the last time? You know, why is he fighting like three weeks after me and I should be fighting him or whatever?" You know, that that could happen as well. But um, if, if the fight itself, I think it's a good fight. I think it makes sense. I think. Uh, I don't know who'd win it, to be honest. I think probably Nate Diaz, I think, is a better fighter than Anthony Bettis, but we haven't seen Nate mm. Diaz in, what, like, two and a half years or something now? Yeah, and, but Bettis comes out there and starts drilling leg kicks, and Nate looks a, bit, a little bit rusty. Could be a long night, but I don't, I, I don't know. I'll reserve, I'll reserve time to make the, the pick. Yeah, me too, me too. But look, it's good to see Nate Diaz back. I want to see Nate Diaz back. I love seeing Nate Diaz fight. He brings a bit of excitement to it. Uh, and it's you know it's it's always good to see him there. So hopefully it is. I know it, it's definitely true, but hopefully it, it happens and uh, we do we do see Netiaz back. Uh, another quick thing we must mention. We mentioned it on the interim podcast we did over on uh, Patreon. But Brock Lesnar la- last week retired. Obviously we were away. Uh, and well, Dana White said he retired, and uh, he's he won't be fighting Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier will be fighting Stipe Miocic instead. And it's something that's funny because I I put up the tweet and loads of people kind of tweeting and tagging different people saying oh you were right about this about the the whole pay-per-view and all because Dave Meltzer had reported that Brock Lesnar and I don't think we this had come out at the time we we did the podcast uh that Brock Lesnar wanted to fight again and asked for a set sum rather than a percentage of the pay-per-view because obviously the pay-per-view has changed which we've discussed before uh because the pay-per-view is no longer on in demand it's only on uh, ESPN Plus in America so you can't go on your television and buy the pay-per-view anymore you have to sign in with the app or on the website yeah. on, on ESPN to buy it so there's obviously going to be lots less lots less is that the right word lots fewer I don't know people, a lot less yeah <laughs> whatever buying the, the pay-per-view so there's going to be less money for Brock Lesnar so Brock Lesnar wants to set some and the UFC refused to give it to him so that's interesting isn't it because you looked in uh, Brock Lesnar, and, and fair enough, you can understand why, why he's not taking it. But you look at Conor McGregor and say, is Conor McGregor going to take his percentage of pay-per-view? Is he going to want to set some? Is it going to make this less likely to see a Conor McGregor fight again? It's And, and you know, not specifics of McGregor and Brock, though, but it's, it's an interesting time, isn't it, for the big draws in the UFC, isn't it? Yeah, I think they need Conor McGregor to 
to transition people over to this pay per view. We talked That's about true. it before. Like this Habib and Connor rematch would be a really good one to people. If you put on the ads like, oh, you need to sign up for this, you know, people people probably will be more likely to do it for that than than like uh Brock Lesnar and Daniel Cormier, even though that is a big fight. Uh, but yeah, even even with that, I think maybe the two point six million that Habib and Connor did will probably never be matched now yeah. because as long as they're on the CSPN model, mm-hmm. uh, obviously things can change in the future. But for the for the foreseeable future, while this deal is gone, I'd say it's very unlikely. Yeah, I I agree too. I I don't think it'll ever be uh, yeah as long as as long as this deal goes, and even that you know television is changing as well. Not as many people are are you know buying things on television, and you always mentioned the streams are are getting better and better, and people will just watch them you know and, and pull it up, and you know five people watch the stream instead of yeah stream uh, goes around in a WhatsApp group, and then yeah. boom, everybody's watching. Everybody's watching, exactly, yeah. So, you know, it's difficult. It's going to be more difficult to get these big-name guys to fight because you, you're you not going to be able to pay them as much money. Well, you can pay them as much money because they're still making shitloads of money, but they refuse to pay them as much money because they're getting more guaranteed money from ESPN. So it's a tough situation. It's an odd situation, and it's going to take someone like a, like a Lesnar or like a McGregor to break it down, but Lesnar couldn't do it, and I'm sure we'll see, <laughs> we'll see some of the negotiations from McGregor and the UFC coming up over the next, uh, over the next six months or so. So interesting to... To kind of keep that in mind as we uh, as we go, uh, right. Next week's UFC card. Before we get to the questions, it's not a bad UFC card. Uh, looking up and down through it, we have uh, Paddy Pimblett Slayer, uh, Julian Arosa taking on Julio Arce and opening up the card. Zach Cummins is on the card. Hot Chocolate Danny Roberts is on the card. Ed, Her- Ed Herman versus Patrick Cummins is on the card. Desmond Green, uh, Megan Anderson, and a, a rare women's featherweight fight against Felicia Spencer. Charles Oliveira in the rematch against Nick Linz. Your boy, Nick Linz. Uh, My boy. It's, it's okay, isn't it? Open Paddy Pimlet's Slayer. Yeah. Did, I'm pretty sure uh, Paddy Pimlet won that fight. Nah. What? I wouldn't, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trust you to judge a hot dog contest. So. <laughs> 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 oh, fantastic. Uh. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Oh, uh, God on my Johnny Judge. Come on, Ben. Well, yeah. <laughs> what was I going to say anyway? Yeah, this this card. What do you think of Charles Oliveira versus Nick Linz? Two guys who've kind of improved an awful lot over the last while. Your boy, your boy, Nick Linz. Can he get the Can he get the guillotine over Charles Oliveira, who kind of <laughs> fights however he wants to fight? I, I think Charles Oliveira has been looking a little bit better uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's always likely if something starts going wrong, he's just going to give up. Yeah, <laughs> which is so hard to pick him. But I think Nick Lance has always been extremely overrated. I don't know what people were talking about mm-hmm. for years about Nick Lance. I don't know what they saw on him. So I think uh, Oliveira should win this. But with Oliveira, if something goes wrong, he might just pack it in. Yeah, they, they've actually fought twice before. Once was a no contest with an illegal knee. Uh, the fight was originally a submission. I'm just looking at the record here. Rear naked choke win for Oliveira overturned due to a legal knee. And then the next one was um, Charles Oliveira won via guillotine. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting fight. You know, Nick Linz, as you said, has been, has been fighting. The rubber match everybody's been waiting for. The rubber match, exactly. Charles Oliveira has... But they've both been fighting recently. Nick, wins has two, Nick Linz has two wins in a row. Charles Oliveira has, what, four wins in a row now. Beat David Timor, who beat Nick Linz. He beat Jim Miller and he beat... Uh, Your boy, a couple of David Timor. Oh, my boy, yeah, I love a bit of David Timor. But, yeah, this, this is interesting. Someone will get guillotined. That's my prediction for this. Uh, Neil Magny against Vicente Luque in, in, in the co-main event. You know, Neil Magny's a, a guy who's always kind of stuck around there and you know we, we'll, we'll see how that goes I suppose um, and then before we get to the main event actually come here there's one other fight and remind me to get to the main event if I forget it Cowboy Cerrone versus Tony Ferguson what do you think of that? Yeah we kind of talked about it uh, 
last week. I think it's a good fight. Uh, I think Tony Ferguson will win, but with Cerrone, if, if he can if he can start well, he, he he's a completely different fighter. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know with Cerrone. Like, I um, it depends on how Kevin Lee looks or how uh, Tony Ferguson looks. Sorry, after uh, coming back from injury and things like that. And Cerrone's obviously. Uh, obviously a very good fighter on his day and Tony Ferguson isn't exactly the best boxer so it isn't really that bad a style matchup for Cerrone mm-hmm. in that in that aspect of the game and he did look a li- the best he's ever looked probably uh, <laughs> boxing-wise in his last fight so um, yeah like it's not it's no, no layup for Tony Ferguson coming back off an injury it's a tough fight to come back to yeah I agree like all in all, I think Tony Ferguson will win. But if Don Cerrone comes out and fights the way, you know, we, if you, anyone listens to that interim podcast and sign up on Patreon to listen to it there, we wax lyrical about Don Cerrone. And it was, I, I said it, you said it, it was probably the best performance of Cerrone's career. Just does something which he, he never normally does and boxes straight down the middle and a beautiful jab and keeping a guy at the end of his jab is excellent. If he can do that against Tony Ferguson, you give him a great chance. But I just think Tony Ferguson will be able to draw him into a war. And I think Tony Ferguson has a better... Maybe not a bit. Chin isn't the right war, but he is. He's better in a war. You know, it's it's like when you're fighting Justin Gaethje. It's it's tough to beat Justin Gaethje in a war, and a couple of lads have done it, but very very rarely. And Tony Ferguson's another one of those guys who who's very hard to beat in a war. I think Cerrone is tough to beat in a war as well, but not as tough as as uh, as uh, Jesus. What's his name? Tony Ferguson. Anthony Ferguson. I nearly called him there, but yeah, it's a good fight. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, you know, it's uh, 29 days time as well, so we don't have too much time to wait for it. And that that card looks like a. Like a stacker. And it's probably actually like 26 days time as well. Because it was 29 days a couple of days ago. Yeah, but that, that's fun. Uh, and then, welterweight. Rafael Dos Anjos. The, the main event here on Saturday night. Rafael Dos Anjos versus Kevin Lee. The tough fight, isn't it? The, the mm. pick as well. Kevin Lee up at 170. I know RDA was at 155 for a long time. Well, I think RDA's looked a bit... I don't know. He's looked a bit over the hill or a bit knackered or something recently. Yeah. He doesn't Look- have the same pressure game. That kind of unrelenting pressure that he had before. I don't, Maybe it was... The fact that he was fighting two really good wrestlers in his last two fights and yeah. just getting dominated, but uh, he seemed to break a little bit in uh, both fights. Yeah, it's funny, like because when you look at that and you look at that record, and I agree with you, what you said there. You look at the two wrestlers. Like Kevin Lee's a very good wrestler as well, but against Alaya Quinta, you know, he, he found it hard to get the fight to the ground. Alaya Quinta decisioned him over over five rounds, but he has beaten the likes of of Ed Boz and uh, Francisco Trinaldo and, and other guys as well which are are very very good fighters and maybe bring similar things to what RDA will bring but i i'm i'm really unsure about this cuz will will he try to wrestle him to the ground like Covington did and like um who was the other one did did the other wrestler he fought whoever uh, Usman did Usman. Or, or will he try to box with him like cuz if he tries to box with him and he gets caught. I think Dasanios has a great chance of knocking him up because Dasanios hits very hard, and Kevin Lee has, you know, he's been hurt before and stuff like that. It's a difficult one because I, I think technically Kevin Lee is a little bit better than Dasanios, but Dasanios I think has more power. And when you're fighting over five rounds, and I, I'm, I kind of half expect this to go to a five round decision. You know, obviously, anything can happen in MMA, but. If it does, that's going to be a dangerous game for Kevin Lee to play because Dasanios hits hard and Dasanios lands two big shots in a round that Kevin Lee is dominating. He could win it. And, you know, it, uh, this to me looks like a fight at the end of it. Kevin Lee's going to be throwing up his hands there. Fuck this, I won. What, what, what are these judges looking at? You know, going full Julian Rose on it. But it's it's a difficult one. Are, are you are you leaning Kevin Lee? I'm, I don't oh. know. I'm not leaning either way. To be honest. I have no idea. Yeah. 
it's a really hard one to pick, but I am leaning Kevin Lee. But um, it'd be interesting to see him at the weight class for the first time as well. Like that's another another part of it. Like Oria is obviously a fifty five, as I mentioned in the past, but he's been up at one seventy for a while, and he's he's kind of he's he's kind of a, body's probably adjusted to being a little bit bigger. Uh, over time, more than Kevin Lee's, but Kevin Lee was very big for one fifty five. So there always is that part of it that 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 in, that interesting move from weight class. Obviously, moving down is usually a bit more drastic, but moving up can be as well. Like it, it can not work out for for people. But I think I think Desanos is kind of he's not the same fighter as he was at his peak. Mm-hmm. I think he's. I think I think Kevin Lee will probably win this one, but I, like it could a lot of things could happen in this fight. It could go a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting one. I think it'll be a fun fight over fire. I, I I think it'll be like a, a six point five sort of fight around around that area. But yeah, let, <laughs> let, let's see how it goes in here. Um, before we get to the questions as well, if you're on Cork next week, um, Cage Legacy are putting on a card there. Cage Legacy slash Celtic Gladiator, uh, a pretty good local card. Obviously, Katie Saul is fighting in the main event uh, there from from Strap last gym against Alexandra Toncheva with Patrick Lahan from SPG Cork fighting Emil Pityak. Uh, John Byrne is fighting Adam Darby, which is, looks like a really really good fight. Obviously, Adam Darby fighting out of Team Rhino and uh, SPG eyes. Uh, John Byrne, Gary Rooney, uh, and Ronan Butler, and a lot lot more fights in. Uh, uh, Gary Maguire against uh, Keith Cavanagh in, SB- in a BJJ match, sorry, and lo- lots of amateur fights, few K1 fights, few BJJ matches and stuff like that. So if you're on Cork, go down and support local Irish MMA. Cage Legacy is basically the only Irish MMA, you know, company going at the moment. So if you're around there, uh, go down and go down and support them, support the fighters, support the promotion, support uh, MMA. So head to that. Uh, I don't know where you get tickets. CageLegacy.com or something like that. You'll find it anyway. Cage Legacy MMA on uh, on Twitter. So I said I'd give them boys a, a shout out anyway because they they do uh, they do some good work for Irish MMA. Right, let's get to the questions. Uh, Crawl Susanna over on Patreon. If you want to sign up, Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Severe MMA Podcast. It, like, a lot of people sign up and just to kind of help us out. To still, they like this podcast and they don't even want to listen to our additional things. And if you do that, fair enough, brilliant. But there's loads of other stuff over there. You get the rewatch every week. You get a Q&A. You get soccer podcasts. You get everything over there. Sign up. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast. Help us out. I want to build myself a, a beautiful big studio like uh, like the Rubber Bandits were tweeting out the other day. So we can even have more stuff and, you know, move the podcast on along the line. So if you want to support us, you want to support Irish MMA, don't bother going to Cage Legacy. <laughs> sign up. Sign up to Patreon. Say, no, no, do what? Do what? But, uh, yeah, sign up. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast. Or just go to SevereMed.com forward slash points for the price of a pint a month you can sign up and you can help us out sure if you met us out you'll buy us a pint anyway so do that right Kroll Susanna uh, which knockout did you have more of a visceral reaction to Lima or Andraj probably Andraj yeah really I'd say Lima no why'd you say Andraj just because it, it was more unexpected I think yeah I think the Lima one was kind of just I think that was more unexpected <laughs> I don't know we're on the opposite here. the Lima one was just it was more shocking to me. It was like, oh, MVP just got knocked out. Whereas, whereas the, the Rose one, I kind of saw coming from the first round. And when she was lifted up like that and getting dropped in her, I was like, oh, no. It was it was kind of one of them rather than, oh, shit. You know, it was it was one of them, and I, I think, just for me. But they were they were both pretty shocking and pretty pretty huge knockouts. But, yeah, they were, they were pretty good anyway. A uh, few here from Mark Atwell. What do you think of Rose's post-fight speech? Sounds like she might be over the fight game, even though that first round is arguably her the best of her career. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. She'll be back. She will, she'll definitely be back. Yeah, she'll definitely be back. But 
I don't know, is that a good thing, maybe? You know, when you're, when you realise there's more life outside the fight game. Lots of people, it's just fight game, fight game, fight game, and they've nothing else. For Okay, for some people, they might get away from the fight game, but for her, I think it's, it's more training and putting it into that and living her life outside of it. I, I think that's healthy, and that's good for her. Um... But the fact that she's saying it's a relief may be kind of the opposite. So maybe like losing the title and coming back and chasing for it again might, might be good. It's interesting to see how it kind of goes for her. And I've said that probably 30 times in this podcast, but uh, it definitely is. Uh, not the best night for Brazilian fighters. What's next for Aldo and Anderson Silva? I'd like to see both of them retire, to be honest, because neither of them have nothing to prove. It's unlikely either of them retires, I think. Aldo's kind of talked about it more. Anderson kind of says he's never going to retire, but... Is there any chance they retire, do you think? No. Yeah. Who would you like to see Aldo fight next, though? Um, hmm. it's, a, it's a tough one. Um, Frank Edgar. Make it happen. Yeah, you give him Frank Edgar again, but like, we've seen it so many times. It's, uh, you give him Zabit or, or a Yair or someone like that as well. Hmm. Feed him to somebody. Yeah, well, I don't know. Can you feed Aldo to anyone? Because as you mentioned earlier, like it might just be this one-off night. So it's yeah, dangerous. It could be. It's dangerous to try to feed Aldo to someone. You could do the Korean Zombie. Where, where's Korean Zombie these days? Yeah, get that rematch going with I the, like the Charlie. Yeah, that's that's it. I like the sound of that definitely. Um, what were your thoughts on Jake Hager facing off against the, the meatbacker journeyman TJ Jones on the undercard of the Bellator event? Was it really the bottom of the barrel being scraped, having uh, that match made? Okay, there was a bit of a discussion. The prelims are always horrific. What do you think, like, about a guy who's one and zero fighting a guy who's one and one? Okay, he looks, you know, he looks like every bad guy in uh, in every uh, <laughs> American um, high school sports show. But I think this is the type of fight that should be made. I think okay, if you gave him this guy when he's six and zero, then I'd have a problem with it. But when this guy is what probably thirty five or something like that coming into MMA. I think his first three, four, five fights need to be guys like this. And, okay, move him on up and up and up. But I, I don't want him fighting a guy who's an, an established Bellator heavyweight right now. Give him guys yeah. like this to build him up. Do you, do you agree with that? Well, you see what happens when you throw even Pico in in his first fight against yeah, somebody exactly. who's very experienced. Even, even if he's nowhere near it, technically as good anywhere in an MMA, you, you, like, that can happen. So, like, building him up slowly like this is a, like it's what usually happens. And I don't know why people would be annoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, last couple of questions here from Sean Dean. We'll get the rest of them. The Twitter ones over on Patreon will be out uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, the Q&A will probably be 15, 20 minutes long. Uh, Sean Dean here. Is round, is round one Rose the biggest jump in standard of fighting in any women's division ever? She looked absolutely phenomenal. Um, Maybe. I, I think Rose has looked great before. She's looked very good. And this was definitely coming. Because, we, you know, we spoke about it last week. We said, what's gonna, what's Rose going to be like now? How uh, She's been out for a good while. What are the improvements going to look like? And that's, I think, why we kind of both picked her. But she has probably made a bigger jump before. But just not into, like, the elites of the elite here. Looking like the best female fighter to ever live. So, it's, you know... The, well, what about Amanda Nunes, though? Are we gonna... Yeah, she's great as well. But it's like, to me, I always think Demetrius Shanson is better than John Jones. And that John Jones is great. But when you're smaller and faster, more technical... I think a lot of Amanda Nunes is down to uh, her power and her size and her speed and okay against uh chris cyborg you can say she had those disadvantages there but i think a lot of it is down to that as well i think rose namunas is a more technically brilliant fighter it's just my kind of preference i'm taking nothing away from Amanda Nunes. she's you know i think it's it's kind of one and two b- between them and you know it's probably still easy even Amanda Nunes, but she just looked and it definitely is after you know after rose obviously lost but uh, rose looked so great 
She she did though, didn't she? It's not just me. She looked phenomenal, didn't she? Yeah, she did. She 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 looked really flowy and light in her feet, and uh, she did slow down though. Like maybe she, as she becomes more used to to doing that, it won't be as energy sapping, or maybe it was getting hit with a couple of shots or the pressure of being the champ. Maybe it was a lot of things that kind of made her tired. Mm-hmm. And yeah. She wasn't like, you know, massively tired, like hands on the knees, Derek Lewis style or anything, but she was noticeably not as fast as in the first round. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And last one then, kind of move us into our, uh, our moving on to it towards the end here. Sean Nini, was, was there ever a more classless crowd than Brazilian crowds last night? Uh, I, I Like, to me, this Brazilian crowd is just a soccer crowd. Do you know, their, their team lost. Anderson Silva and they booed the opposition. That that's all it was to me. I I, I don't see anything wrong with it. I, I think we get too touchy about MMA. This guy he put three months into this. How dare they boo him? And I agree with. I do that myself sometimes as well. But now I'm taking the opposite stance. So fuck you. So, but this this is that's their Anderson Silva is their team. You know he's like if Man United uh, took on uh, Liverpool, I'd be shouting for Man United, and you'd be shouting for Liverpool. It's it's just that. It's a sport. These, these lads, they, they got behind their guy. Their guy lost. They, they thought it was a weird finishing that, or a weird ending and, they, they, you know, whatever they, they were thinking and they, they booed him out of the place. That's just it. It's sport. Get over it. You know, these things happen in, in MMA. But anyway, speaking of soccer there, if you're if you're non, a non, uh, if you're just an MMA fan and you hate myself and Graham talking about soccer, tune out for the next, like, three minutes here. D-Day, Graham. D-Day. Do you think you can do it? Um, it's more about if Brighton can do it. Yeah. <laughs> which doesn't doesn't fill me with much confidence but uh, stranger things have happened in football you know uh, yeah you know much stranger things have happened like Barcelona beating Liverpool 3-0 in the first leg well Liverpool completely dominated the first game and well, got I wouldn't go that screwed. far <laughs> it was uh, the flukiest thing that ever happened in football and then Barcelona could have won corrected. that game 5 or 6 in it as well at the same time yeah Liverpool should have scored though a few times, but uh, now nah, money, money joking, yeah. half joking. But uh, yeah, uh, we're all we're all uh, we're all hoping for Glenn Murray to bang in a hat trick here. Glenn Murray's my favourite. Hat trick probably won't even do it with that defence though. Uh, fuck's sake. Uh, although Duncan Duffy are good, I like both of them. But yeah, yeah, I, I, but worried. like uh, anything can happen. Like Man City, if if they like you know Andres Townsend. I keep talking about it like all you need is like something like that an unstoppable shot like or like a please fluke slicer like company's one like a desperation slicer that goes in the top <laughs> corner class goal what are you talking about it was such a fluke like he's nah, shooting class. out of pure desperation like fucking hell um, but uh, I'd be worried about Wolves though Wolves are a good side like Wolves are not joking yeah Wolves are a good side but uh, I think like if Liverpool can get like you know a couple of goals up in the first 10 minutes it will actually put a little bit more pressure on Man City Yeah, you know just the crowd even will be a bit more on edge and, and they'll know exactly what score the Liverpool match is and Liverpool will know exactly what score the Man City match is and if Man City are up 2-0 after after 10 minutes like you know maybe we'll take the pressure off Liverpool mm-hmm. and just be like oh, we just have a little kind of day out here prepare for the, the European final don't worry about this provi- provincial provincial tournament it's over nothing we can do Yeah, I actually I saw um, a thing yesterday Paul went up by Mikel Delaney I believe and like I think it was 75% or something of Liverpool fans said that they would rather uh, Brighton 
win tomorrow and they won the league than win the Champions League final. So that kind of made me happy that only like fucking 8% of Liverpool fans actually want to win the Champions League over the league. So even if they win the Champions League, now it makes me happy anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> what a week, what a week. You're clutching the straws badly. I can't. know I am. What a week though in the Champions League. Jesus. Spurs coming yeah, through. Yeah. God, man. Oh, I actually are the biggest lot of bottlers, aren't they? As <laughs> <laughs> bad as Barcelona. Uh, Andy Robertson roughing up Messi is very funny. Like just rubbing him on the head. Yeah. Uh, had Messi running after him and everything trying to close him down after that was hilarious yeah. I love the way they kept cutting the Suarez and Messi after the goal they really mm. just look so confused <laughs> oh, funny, yeah. they're like what the fuck is actually happening here this can't be happening I know like, I know, I know. people argue about the Champions League you know being like the best uh, you know, club game it's and so stuff good and like, it's, I don't know is it as good as Europa League though in fairness I, 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 <laughs> Imagine that in Europa League next year. Yeah, they need they need a win to get in there. Can't wait. We're gonna do it. We're gonna fucking we're gonna run through the Europa League. But like, at least you might get into the Champions League. Yeah. Really. <laughs> it's some fucking off. Oh, oh fucking hell! Oh God bless, God bless. But anyway, we uh, all get to we all get to watch more Man United games if they're in Europa League though, because they get to be on Sunday and, and Monday because they're playing Thursday. So we get to see Man United humiliate themselves more. Yeah, that's gonna be. Really the, game, oh, the, game is gone. Like, the game is gone. Do you think like you, the really they should just fire him and say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, like yeah. we made a wrong decision here." Yeah. But look, here's fucking uh, Poch. Is he gonna want to go there? Yeah, that's like, the problem, though. I don't think he is. His, now, like, like, I know he played for Espanyol and all that stuff, but like Barcelona, like they're gonna be needing a new manager pretty mm-hmm. sharpish. I'd say, like after that result, they get. Clapped, I know he just won right. the league. Uh, I just don't see. I just don't see uh, Poch wanted to go. To, I said that before. Poch would be crazy to go to Man United. And people seem to think, oh no, Man United, Man United, but like Man United, they need. They're, they're in a bad way. They need to turn this around now. They, if they wait another year, and all they're going to do is spend that money wrong. Like he seems like a bit of a bit of an Egypt. Like all they're going to do to be honest. Like he's like, oh, these players are the best I've ever seen. And then he's like, oh, next week he's like they lose again. He's like, oh, most of these players won't be here. All like it's like they're not good enough. It's like he's talking about oh coming in and like kind of being the, the old school and listening to everybody but you, you need somebody who's actually in charge somebody who knows exactly what they're doing somebody who's yeah. in charge of the transfer somebody who actually got like some kind of like tactical plan not mm-hmm. just like let me put my best players on the pitch and hope this works I, I couldn't agree more yeah did, did, and that's why I think you need someone who can build a club as well and that's why Pochettino was obviously the perfect like guy Klopp like you obviously like fucking you hate Klopp because yeah. like because I think you hate Klopp so much because you know you'd love him so much if he was my United manager he'd be like so it's kind of like the like Suarez thing like you know you hate him if he's playing against you and you love him if he's playing for you it's no, kind of like that with Klopp like. no comment <laughs> I don't have a comment on that, on that. <laughs> like if Klopp had done this for Man United you'd be like fucking creaming yourself every time he was mentioned and you'd be loving all his like going mental on the sideline even though you complain about it massively no comment but anyway like if, yeah, if, if Steven Gerrard had played for Man United you would love him so much yeah but he was I don't, you're yeah. obsessed with him even now <laughs> even he's years after he's retired an average player like a <laughs> Much um, better than that, uh, still being England left back, Posca or left wing, Poscals. <laughs> God, I wonder, weren't those England managers so shit though that they didn't win stuff with that for Lampard? Uh, it's like Jared and Lampard can't play together. It's what? Like, what? what? Of course they can't. You fucking so moron. Like, yeah. You Michael Carrick as well there, like who was an excellent player for years, and you'd Owen Hargreaves who was an excellent holding player. Like, the ch- well, he was just injured all the time. Though, yeah, but still, he played lots for England. Like, he probably has like fifty caps for England. How could you not play either him or Carrick in there with Lampard and Gerard ahead of him? 
like, oh, that's not that hard. Like, it's not. Oh, my God. And then Joe Cole as well, who was excellent on left wing for years. And they had obviously Rooney and Owen. And all. Oh, God almighty. They're fucking, they're terrible. But anyway, right. That's it. Enjoy. I hope. I don't know. Uh, Cardiff or someone? So Man United like they they can't finish. No, they're, they're just in this position they are now. And they can't go. Let me look. I think it's fifth or sixth still finish. Um, they're currently in sixth. Arsenal are one point ahead in fifth. So obviously, if do you think it's probably like uh, like I'm kind of hoping Man United like get a nice win here and everybody's like ah positive for the new season because obviously you know, like, it's not gonna not going to compete with like top managers like Klopp and Guardiola I think the problem I think is even if they did sack him they couldn't get Poch now like if Poch had lost to Ajax at the weekend I think they probably could still get him but now if he's getting to final and you know even if he wins the final uh, or if he loses it whatever he said, he said pretty much that he's gone like you know I don't know like he he said if he wins the Champions League he's gone and then he said are you joking and he's like no and they're like really then he basically said yeah yeah he, he said like oh, I'll go home and they kind of every laugh and then the guy the journalist asked like oh is that a joke and he's like no oh Jesus maybe they will it wouldn't be great though to see Spurs win the Champions League you know this team who is not not, not bought like you know it's funny it's hilarious it's, it's like it shows fans. though like you know Man City would probably be in the if it wasn't for VAR and this being the fairest Champions League ever okay it's not exactly fair like VAR is obviously going to have like humans making decisions and people are going to disagree and agree but it's the fairest ever mm -hmm. and if if it wasn't that goal would have been allowed Man City they would have been like you know uh, like scarred by that experience really. <laughs> and uh, and then now they're in the Champions League final because it's fairer than it ever has been and Liverpool are there because it's like you know the first fair one man you only get knocked out it's handily and Liverpool get to the final Yeah, but it, like, I've been calling for fairness for years you know, yeah, this is what we like, get hopefully like the money ball of Next Liverpool year. doesn't win out over the, the good guys <laughs> the money ball. building up the team. as you mentioned there like Pochettino building up this team building a young team uh, homegrown players and all against this money ball buying literally the most expensive goalkeeper of all time the most expensive uh, defender of all time buying that front three uh, that that made him so good, you know. It's, it'd be great to see Harry Kane, homegrown young player. Harry Winks, all them homegrown young players. You know, Trent Alexander Arnold, James there. Jimmy Milner. Jimmy Milner, how was Jimmy Milner homegrown? What are you talking about? He played for Leeds and Aston Villa and Man City. What the fuck are you on about? Oh, he's a he's a homegrown player, an English an oh, English yeah. player. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on, go on. Uh, who else? Gomez. <laughs> no Gomez. Gomez was, you bought Gomez from someone, didn't you? Yeah, when he was about <laughs> what, sixteen or something, though, that probably counts. Oh, I'm destroying you here. I'm going full. No, it is the the rule is like if you have them under eighteen or something, isn't it? Yeah, bullshit. He's I think it is. Ground. You bought him. I think it technically he is homegrown though. Didn't uh, Wayne Rooney was homegrown by Man United, was he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Technically, I think like he will be one yeah, of the Champions League squad players. This is like this is the significant fuck the facts. This is the significant strikes of soccer. So, all right, go on, everybody, sign up, Patreon. Uh, here we'll end it on the inspiration quote of the week. The time is always right to do what is right. We'll see you next Tuesday or Monday or Sunday.